0: Welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough questions. Why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students, families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. On this episode, Fit Money Executive Director Jessica Peltier is joined by Tanya Rapley, an entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of MyFab Finance to discuss her work helping others overcome their financial hurdles by sharing stories, resources, and collaborating on initiatives to build brighter financial futures. Today, Jessica and Tanya discuss what she notices today around common beliefs and misconceptions on money and the mindsets that often prevent us from becoming financially confident ourselves.
1: Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Absolutely. Looking forward to our conversation.
1: Me too. Me too. I've read a lot about you, uh, but I can't wait to hear from your own uh, own voice. Um, you're a very successful entrepreneur, uh, and I definitely want to hear a lot more about your business and how you consult with others. But it wasn't always that way that you were successful. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit about your journey and your relationship with money and how it's evolved over the past couple of years?
2: Yeah. So my journey, I started out as a nonprofit employee. Um, working in New York City, working within the affordable housing realm, mm-hmm. homeowner policy, homeownership policy, and decided that I wanted to figure out how I could help people with their finances as an entrepreneur, which led to me starting MyFab Finance. And, um, it has grown from doing coaching services to working mm-hmm. with brands around like the strategic alignment of their products and services and their campaigns and connecting the consumers with valuable pri- financial products that could help them along their journey. Um, and it's it's been a beautiful process. I mean, I think it's interesting because we're always in transition. And I literally just had a very honest conversation with one of my entrepreneurial colleagues that I'm in another transition. So it's like all the success that I've experienced in personal finance now I'm moving into another space, which is government contracting, and feeling the same way I felt when I started MyFab Finance. It's like you have a lot of hope and a lot of optimism and a lot of faith in yourself that you can get it done. Sometimes that does get exhausting and kind of taking that break from what has made you successful to move into something else is it's it's an emotional process. So full transparency, that's where I'm at. It's like moving from doing financial education as my primary to moving into strategic communications and, and, and making that our primary thing.
1: Oh that's so exciting. Congratulations for that. you know you talked you just said uh, entrepreneur, um, you kind of believed in yourself and you had that drive that you could get it done and I think that's that's really common uh, in entrepreneurs uh, because we all know mm-hmm. we, we all don't succeed uh, the first time. I think um, you know even uh, Elon Musk failed several times before he became successful. You know there's so many people out there that would love to do you know kind of start their own business or 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 help people. But they might be doing that paycheck to paycheck right now in in a in a kind of what we call regular job, mm-hmm. and we hear so much about how stressful that is. I certainly spent many many years more than I would like, kind of having that you know paycheck to paycheck, wondering you know it was Wednesday, how quickly was Friday coming. You know, mm-hmm. why do you think there are so many people who really
2: live that way in today's society? I think it's a combination of things. And I think that the things that led to it in previous generations are very different from now. Life is expensive. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, yeah. life is expensive and wages have not caught up with how expensive life is. Um, so right now, while it is, you know, partly people's own decision making, you can't be frugal enough in an economy that um, that doesn't value paying employees or on pace of what the cost of living is. So I think that that's a reality as well as like people are expected to overwork to meet their financial basics. It's like, okay, well, so you can't afford to, to, you know, pay your, your rent for your apartment or whatever. Okay. Get multiple jobs. Um, And I think that's also unrealistic for um, people's obligations. I think Mm -hmm. that even, you know, myself for the first time have felt the pinch because now I'm a single income household. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, work harder, but you're a single mom. So Mm -hmm. how do you work harder as a single mom and have enough to provide for your child, be there for your child and do the homework and cook dinner and everything else and then get up and do it every day? So I think that some people are also at their own income earning bandwidth. And then there are some people there are some instances where people are not budgeting in a way that's realistic for their current income level. Um, And there's more temptation for people because of social media and Mm -hmm. we're a more hyper connected society. And the reduced friction and allowing us to spend money. Now you can scan your phone and spend money. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you had to take out like and write a check and everything else, now you can literally just swipe your phone and spend money. So I think it's a combination of things and it varies by individual.
1: You mentioned so many things that I'd love to touch on. So I'm sure you know when you were advising clients on, you know, how to make better budgeting decisions and even maybe introducing the concept of a budget. I don't think kind of assume that that's the right thing to do, but not not everyone even has taught how to, how to do that and how to really figure out, okay, well, what is that rent payment? What is that groceries, et cetera? You know, where do you start, you know, when someone comes to you and they're just overwhelmed? And, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. that at a point in your life, you were overwhelmed, I was, you know, where do you begin that isn't in a way that makes them feel that they've been necessarily doing something wrong? Because like you say, society sometimes really dictates, certainly how much we have, um, mm-hmm. but, but where do you really begin to, to make someone feel that confidence that you said that, that you had in yourself?
2: I, I mean, well, I think with budgeting, you know, you just look at like starting with how much your life costs and make it as simple as possible. Um, you, it can be difficult, but just make it as simple as possible. How much are my expenses every single month and what am I bringing in? Um, and I think that financial confidence and confidence comes from doing. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, it's hard to get confidence from something you've never done, But Mm -hmm. if you continuously do it and continuously work at it, um, you become more confident in it, which is why at MyFab Finance, our mission is helping people achieve at least one financial goal that they're proud of. Because when you do things that you're proud of, it motivates you to do more things Mm -hmm. that you're proud of and creates a positive momentum to work towards your desired outcome. And so we start small, start where you are, and then build your confidence from there by, by doing
1: I love that kind of that experiential learning, and and those goals yeah. are, are different for everyone, of course. What types of goals do you see? You say start small. You know, uh, talk about you know what what is a meaningful step that that really does kind of give you that that cheering section uh, that mm-hmm. will inspire you to pretend. You know, because. We can't just say I, I want to buy a house, and in in three months that's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I mean sometimes it is um, saving more than you your personal savings goal. That's what I mm-hmm. always tell people. Like they always like, how much should I save, and they want to hit this three, this six months, twelve months. Like how, if you've never saved over a thousand dollars, saving six months of your salary is. Daunting. Right. So let's just save more than you've ever saved before. Let's start there. Or let's work on paying off like one credit card instead mm-hmm. of trying to pay off all your credit cards. Let's work on the snowball method. Um, so it is breaking things down into micro goals and the smallest thing mm-hmm. and really beating yourself. And when I say beating yourself, not like physically har- harming yourself, but actually like. Outdoing your past performance and doing better than you've done in the past, like start there.
1: That is phenomenal. I think you're so right. We hear kind of what we all assume are the best practices. You, you nailed it. Six months salary. But if you are literally looking at paycheck to paycheck and at the end of that week or bi-week period, you've got $5 left, there, there's no way. That's a, like you said, it's a hurdle that is just so far in the distance you have every right to be depressed. So I love mm-hmm. that. Look at yourself. Look, you know, so if you do have $5 left, let's save half of that. And and really, you know, be happy with the the smaller moments so that we can really accomplish and even get to the larger moments in time.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like do better than you did the last time. Like if you have $5 left at the end of your pay period, Try to have twenty five dollars left at the end mm-hmm. of your pay period. Let's start there. Right, it, telling because so, everybody isn't the same type of learner, and some people are actually um, de incentivized by lofty goals instead of incentivized by lofty goals. And they're like, I can't do that. Why even bother? Like that's where that YOLO, like like that YOLO mm-hmm. philosophy comes in. Like I'll never even be able to accomplish that. So YOLO. I might as well enjoy it while I'm here instead <laughs> of worrying about that. And so it just literally just. Put things in perspective. And I think that's why it's important to have varied voices in financial education and varied voices in financial discipline and varied experiences from financial professionals and financial educators, because everybody doesn't learn the same. Everyone isn't motivated the same and everybody doesn't need to hear the same thing.
1: You talked about uh, different experiences with uh, different educators in our society.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Talk about who you think really should be kind of in charge of financial education? Do, do you think it's a parent's job? Do you think it's a school's job? Is it is it TikTok's
2: job? I mean, no, definitely not social media because <laughs> there's not anyone really, there's no regulations over there. But I also don't think that financial education should be relegated to heavily regulated industries when it comes to education mm-hmm. um, because I think there is value in diverse perspectives. Um, from the, te- the people who are delivering the information. If there was regulation for social media, I probably wouldn't be a financial educator. <laughs> I think that it's a collective effort. I think that parents need to understand that even if you aren't financially savvy, you teach your children by doing. You teach your children by like how you manage your money, how you talk about money, how you like, you know, relate to money um, around them. So parents teach by doing. I think the school system. Uh, I, I think that if the school system is going to play a role, and this is one of the areas that we are um, attempting to get into, is that if school systems are going to play a role, then they need to bring people who are versed in financial education to into the curriculum building process because it, it is a unique area to teach, and I don't think that all educators... Are equipped to teach financial education. A lot of educators themselves are financially insecure. It's like, yeah, okay. How do you teach financial security from a financially insecure place and a historically financially insecure place? Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between someone who's navigating a patch of financial misfortune and someone who's like never understood what financial abundance looks like. So, I think that that is just something to be mindful of if we look at it from an educational system perspective. Um, And then I think that you know it is, it is. Once you are old enough to start making your own money or start managing your own money, it is also your responsibility mm-hmm. to to better understand money. And the older you get and the larger sums, the more responsibility that you should have. But not knowing is not an excuse for not learning. I think that's the biggest thing. Is just because you don't know doesn't mean you shouldn't make attempts to learn. When I'm talking to crowds or when I'm talking to um, when I'm teaching workshops, I often remind people: there's so many things that we do that we didn't know how to do, whether it is our own beauty. Um, maintenance, you know, like doing our own hair. Like I just, I just learned how to curl my own hair. It's something that I was not previously um, skilled at doing, but I just learned to curl my own hair. And it's like, that's something I had to teach myself to do. There are things that we teach ourselves, cooking. We teach ourselves to do things every single day. Do not use not understanding money as a reason of not teaching yourself how to relate to money better.
1: And I think we're coming onto that generation, if it's not here already, of people that are more curious, I think in this in this topic, um, you know, mm-hmm. 30 years ago, forty years ago, it was an absolute non-starter that you would be talking about money in your household. Certainly not rules. Right. You know, um, home economics might have maybe taught you how to write a check, but it certainly didn't tell you when you should or shouldn't write one. Um, right. And so and so that was a, a real problem for our society. And I think that that has made us kind of become where we are today with insane amounts of debt and student loan and and just that kind of all around, you know, unawareness of, of these concepts. Mm-hmm. But but I love that. I think that, you know, it isn't an excuse anymore to just say, well, it's it's taboo to talk about. We're not supposed to talk about it. So therefore we just we shouldn't. Um, I think that's, that's powerful. And I agree with you a hundred percent. Social media is certainly not the place where our youngsters should be, should be getting all of their information. But I think that that curiosity, um, mm-hmm. certainly helps starting there and, you know, making it cool and making it exciting. Um, and yeah. going to explore with, like you said, that broad, diverse, um, kind of field of people and, um, you also touched on something, you know, we're a curriculum company, so we are a train-the-trainer. We provide tools for those teachers that, that want to teach this. And you hit the nail on the head. The biggest barrier is that they look at us saying, I can't teach this. Have you seen my credit score or my student loans are you know, double what they should be? I'm not the right person. And so we mm-hmm. work just as hard to educate those teachers as we are to really creating the tools for you know, a seven-year-old or a 17-year-old to really start to have a relationship with money.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, uh, one of the reasons that I'm passionate about or have been passionate about teaching financial education is diverse experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, social economics play a, a, a role in people's financial abilities and financial experiences, especially in, in our country. And so, um, When I got started in personal finance, there weren't a lot of diverse voices Mm -hmm. making decisions um, at the table when it came to financial services. And there weren't a lot of diverse voices when it came to educating in the space. And we all have to understand our cultural biases when it comes Mm -hmm. to educating um, populations and ensuring that curriculum and any materials are culturally sound for the intended population. And so they, that has been one of the opportunities, particular for me in my fat finance. When I got started, there weren't a lot of black women who looked like me talking mm-hmm. about money, who came from my background of graduating from college at the height of the recession and being laid off from my first two jobs outside of college um, and just really having to figure it out and navigating corporate America um, as, as a black woman. And so I felt like they really needed a voice in the space because most people were like, oh yeah, Susie Orman. It's like Susie Orman, granted, has had a very, very a like interesting life but not the same life as like myself or someone who comes from a similar background as me
1: and that is so important uh you know you're right because i do a lot of the kind of traditional voices that we hear you know of of her generation really are it's it's a and that's the only route that you can go this mm-hmm. is the only route that there is if you want to you know pay off your debt this is what you do instead of really exploring what the other options are and, and really, you know, like you said, what those cultural biases are and what even got them into debt in the first place. Um, Right. It's not just as simple as, as here's the answer. Let's, let's kind of go back and and figure out. We we all know uh, just eliminating the debt doesn't solve the problem because chances are, you're just going to get right back in it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's very psychological. I mean, we, we say all the time, financial literacy is not math. Yes, there's some math involved. It does, you know, help to add and subtract, but it is behavioral science 101. It and is. It is behavioral have, science. Yeah, we all have such a personal yes. relationship and it does. It. I mean, if your grandparents never used a bank and your parents never used a bank, chances are, you're not going to trust banks, you know. It's just right it's natural because, like you said, you grew up in the same homes of people talking about these things.
2: Right, exactly.
1: So, tell me about banish the balance. i was so curious to to hear about this. Uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, program that that you really have mm-hmm. helped hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, where do you begin with that?
2: Yeah, banish the balance. I mean, it's not something. It's not an ongoing initiative for um, for my company, just because our. our our my focus has changed for her Her legacy media and hlm solutions but when we did it was creating a community around debt elimination the Mm. goal was that you're not alone debt is uh, is a normal thing a lot of people have it and how do we create community and excitement around eliminating debt the same mm-hmm. way there are facebook groups around buying makeup and buying hair products and buying clothes and luxury goods. there's I a community it. around consumerism and spending let's create a community around debt elimination and really motivate and inspire each other to eliminate our debt and so from that yeah we eliminated a quarter million dollars of debt within 90 days and we had over five thousand participants and it really, really, really um, was an exciting initiative, and I think that it could be replicated. Um, and we just, we just don't have the bandwidth to do it now. But we really enjoyed it.
1: No, but I love that you're right. I mean, I, you know, I'll get sucked in like everyone else onto the reels and all the great videos about, especially now, Christmas is right around the corner, Hanukkah, all the, all the gift giving uh, holidays, and, and you are, you are just bombarded with consumerism, with purchasing, mm-hmm. with. You know, and and we have to remember we say this all the time in our curriculum. Again, whether we're teaching a five year old or a fifteen year old, just because it's on sale, you are still spending money. You are, you, you know, that right. Thirty dollars you quote unquote saved was not money you ever spent to begin with. So right,
2: money saved and spent is not money saved at it's all. Not just right because it's not on sale doesn't thing. mean you can afford it.
1: Yes, but yeah, no, I love the idea of. Of really celebrating those wins, you know, whether you have a hundred dollars on a store credit card or $10,000, you know, because you, you know, made some, you know, some choices that probably were not the right choices, but, but I love that celebrate the wins of, of getting rid of that, of that debt mm-hmm. uh, and, and making, making different decisions that don't put you in, in such a mental stress position. Cause we know that it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it is financial, you know, stress makes your entire body shut down. Um, and we right. have to realize the correlation between the two.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
1: So I know you uh, have spoken on many, many college campuses, and we touched on this a little bit of kind of that that next generation that that's very curious. Um, but I, but I know that they're they're still making some you know kind of common mistakes as they're they're learning about money. Some you can mm-hmm. get out of and overcome, and we all know sometimes you have to make mistakes to, to have those learning experiences. But what are some of those common misconceptions that that you heard, you know, from kind of the younger audience?
2: I mean, I think common misconception is like how credit really works. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of like misunderstanding of how credit really works, how you build and maintain credit. Um, I think that there's also um, distrust in financial institutions Mm -hmm. and like what they can, what they can't do, how they can help you, how they can't help you. So becoming more aware of like financial institutions and the services they provide. One of the things I'm seeing now is like taking it on face value. Like if I saw it on TikTok or saw it on social media, then it has to be true, Mm -hmm. and that's not always the case. There is important. There is a need to do your own fact checking and um, research process. Check the motivation of your source. Like, Mm -hmm. is your source trying to sign you up for their expensive program, or are these resources Mm -hmm. that they're offering for free? Where are they getting their information from? Is it learned experience? Is it classroom experience? Is it from coaching? other people, which there's nothing wrong with someone teaching from the viewpoint of their own experience or from their coaching. Cause I know that's how we, we were largely got started with MyFab Finance, but just being very sure to check the biases of any instructors or anyone who's delivering you financial information and don't be afraid to like double down on the research of what they've said.
1: I think that's great. I think, like you said, you know, even just those foundational principles I mean, we have so many students that are, you know, just starting their their working career that we engage, you know, encounter and and just even the basics. What is the difference between a credit card and a debit card? Or or how does that, you know, grace period work on, on credit? And um, you know, mm-hmm. buy now, pay later. I mean, that's something that is, you know, somewhat new and and everywhere, you know, and, and young kids are putting $10 purchases on buy now, pay later.
2: <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh.
1: So it, it's, it's, it's scary. Cause you're right. I think, you know, they hear about it. So they think they must know about it and therefore it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it must just be something they, they should do. And, uh, so I do think those, those basics, you know, we kind of have to get back to the basics.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Tanya, thank you so much for speaking with us today. This has really been a pleasure uh, and I'm thrilled to, to hear about your, your next journey. Perhaps you'll have to come back in six months or so and, and share more with us uh, that that time. But have a wonderful holiday and, and thank you so much for all that you've done.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you for, you know, being doing this work alongside me. There's a lot of work to be done, potentially particularly, and educating and tackling social inequality. I, I look at this work as we're tackling social inequality and closing inequality gaps. So thank you for being an ally in this work too.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you're a caregiver, teacher, or student yourself, there's plenty of great K-12 resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guest and financial literacy activities for the classroom, at home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving.
2: The Fit Money podcast is presented by Fit Money, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by Fit Money and are solely opinions of the individual. Fit Money does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.